Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. On today's podcast, we're going to focus our discussion on pain. And if you remember, we have spent some time talking about pain in the past, covering topics like post-operative pain control, as well as some strategies for managing acute pain. So little kids who are getting IVs placed or blood draws or their immunizations which with one of our amazing palliative care docs. But today we're going to talk about chronic pain. And I'm so thrilled to be joined by one of our pediatric residents, Dr. Pritha Multani, who has a personal interest and expertise in this topic. Dr. Multani, thank you so much for joining Kids Considered today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. We're really excited to talk to you. And I know this topic is one that is really personal to you. And I was hoping you would be comfortable sharing your own story with pain um, with our listeners today. Absolutely. So I was diagnosed with chronic migraines when I started medical school, and I actually needed to take a year off in the middle because of how severe my symptoms were. Mm -hmm. That year off actually ended up being pretty life-changing for me because it taught me everything that I know today about chronic pain, and I'm really hopeful that I can share all that information with my patients. Um, And our listeners, which we're excited about. Yes, and our listeners. (laughs) Exactly. Um, everything that I learned has really cut down my symptoms to the point where it doesn't affect my quality of life anymore. And I was, after just that year off, able to go back, finish med school. And now I've been going through peds residency without any issues and I'm on track to complete it in July. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. So let's start with having you tell us about what chronic pain is and why and how chronic pain develops. Yeah. So usually we define chronic pain as pain in one specific part of the body that lasts for longer than three months. Um, Up to one in four children will actually experience an episode of chronic pain. And sometimes this pain can start with an acute injury like an elbow fracture or a concussion. There are other people who have pain that starts out of nowhere too, where they never had an injury before. Over time, our body and our brain learns to send us messages that something is wrong in that specific part of the body, and it's trying to tell us, hey, you need to stop and pay attention. This can keep happening even if there's nothing physically wrong with that part of our body anymore. Yeah, definitely. And so how can a person's own history, their history of mental health, possibly trauma in their past, contribute to their risk of developing pain that persists or chronic pain? I'm glad you asked that. I know Kids Considered has already done an episode on adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, if anyone's heard that term before. So I won't go into too much detail about explaining what that is, but basically any sort of trauma or life stressor that can range from conflict with a parent or losing a loved one or even something as severe as experiencing child abuse. All of these types of trauma can actually double the risk of kids having chronic pain when they reach adulthood. The reason why that happens is that growing up, being fearful of your surroundings actually primes our fight or flight system or our sympathetic nervous system is the medical term, to be in overdrive all the time. We're basically always 
prepared just in case something like a mountain lion <laughs> is going to attack us at any moment. And sometimes when something really stressful or scary happens, that can sort of trigger us and remind us of a challenging experience that we had when we were younger. And then our fight or flight system or our sympathetic nervous system triggers a series of events in our brain telling us, hey, look, we're in danger, even if we're not actually in danger. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so I guess it's thought that this sympathetic overdrive or this fight or flight is the thing that then leads to the heightened sensation of pain that people can have. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. The sympathetic overdrive activates connections in our brain that can actually create sensations of pain. The key to turning this around is learning how to calm our fight or flight system down and teach our body that even when life gets stressful, even if we're having conflict with a loved one, that it's not a life or death situation. We're safe and we can handle it. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about a lot of strategies to help dampen down the sympathetic overdrive with Dr. Moltani soon. But I'm wondering when a kid is having these episodes of prolonged pain, what are the most common locations that they'll complain of pain? So usually I've seen school age kids tend to struggle with chronic abdominal pain, or I'm not sure if everyone's heard of growing pains <laughs> in there. Usually when kids have pain in their legs, usually at night, and there's just no reason why. Right. You know, you like feel the bones. You There's no like swelling. There's no, you know, obvious changes, redness, anything like that. But they just have this continued pain at night. Exactly. Teenagers, on the other hand, are more likely to report chronic headaches or irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. And just to review for our listeners, irritable bowel syndrome um, is typically associated with like significant abdominal pain and cramping along with bowel changes. So they can have a diarrhea predominant type, constipation predominant, or a mix of, of the two. Of course, with pain, that makes us as pediatricians worried that there's something else going on. Of course, it's going to make parents worried that there's, you know, something significant going on. What are some signs that you see that make you concerned about an underlying medical condition? Anytime someone's child is experiencing pain, especially if it's affecting their ability to go to school or lead their typical happy life, I always encourage caregivers to talk to their pediatrician. It's always important to make sure that there isn't anything more serious going on, something that's actually medical and treatable. Chronic pain is often more concerning if someone tells me that their child is persistently vomiting, especially if they're having any green, red, or coffee color in their vomit. If a child is having bleeding in their in their stools, so red or black stools in particular, fevers, chills, night sweats, unexpected weight loss, any neurologic symptoms like numbness, tingling, or weakness, all of those would be something that would prompt me to do a little bit more than, say, the average workup. Chronic headaches are also especially concerning if they're worse in the mornings or worse after laying down or if they're associated with any morning vomiting. Yeah, absolutely. Those would be considered what we in pediatrics or in medicine call red flag symptoms. And you need to bring your kid to immediate medical attention if they're having any of those. Uh, let's say that the child is experiencing sort of run-of-the-mill abdominal pain or migraines or headaches that aren't associated with any of those red flag symptoms, what kind of workup should 
patients and families expect um, before getting a diagnosis of sort of like pain that cannot be attributable to any underlying medical cause? Yeah, it's a, it's really difficult to answer that question. Um, every child is different. And honestly, we have to figure out as pediatricians what to do on a case-by-case basis. I would encourage families to just talk to your pediatrician about whether it's worth getting any blood tests or any imaging to make sure that there's nothing more serious going on. Absolutely. I mean, every kid is so different in this case. And it's pretty common if a kid is having chronic pain that they will have something done to make sure that there's nothing else going on, be it like some some routine labs or an x-ray or or a referral to a specialist. But it is so individualized, just like Dr. Multani said, that it's so important to have that ongoing conversation. And it, it may be a stepwise thing. Let's try this. See if it gets better. Let's try this. See if it gets better. Kind of doing one thing at a time. So it can be kind of a, a process. Was that your experience as you were going through your diagnosis and treatment? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I definitely saw multiple different, even headache specialists who all tackled things in a different way. Mm-hmm. So yep, every- and it can be frustrating um, sometimes <laughs> as the recipient of medical care in this situation, because you may be collaborating or working with a lot of different specialists who have different ideas or different things. So that's why having, and we've talked about this before, having like a medical home, one provider that you really feel like you can like debrief with and talk mm-hmm. things through with is so, so important, especially in these more complicated situations. I 100% agree with that. So once underlying medical conditions contributing to the pain have been ruled out or appropriately treated, then it's time to turn our attention into making sure that these kids start feeling better with some of the strategies that we're going to discuss. And so we really want to spend the majority of our time talking about these possible treatments to help alleviate pain. Absolutely. So the first, first thing that I always tell families and my patients is that we need to take care of our bodies just like we usually would. That means making sure that we're sleeping well, sleeping at regular hours, not using our phones before bed. (laughs) What? (laughs) Just kidding. I say this all the time. That's such an important one. Yes. Um, Eating well, staying hydrated throughout the day, and also getting plenty of exercise. Not getting enough exercise actually leads to deconditioning of our muscles and can create pain that way. Mm-hmm. All of these strategies together also work together to calm our fight or flight system down. Yeah. And I'm wondering what you think. A lot of these kids will have missed a significant amount of school mm-hmm. um, because of their pain, and it can kind of create a vicious cycle. I try to work really closely with families as well as the school nurses to keep these kids in school and keep them in their normal routine because it's such a super important part of being a kid, right? And mm-hmm. developing. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I have a strong belief that, well, granted, it's easier said than done, but I have a strong belief that the more that we avoid tasks or experiences in our normal life, the more our fight or flight system and our brain learn to regard those activities as unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we avoid school, our body basically learns this association, hey, School is dangerous. I can't go to school. If I go to school, I will develop pain. Mm -hmm. Even if there's no actual medical or scientific reason behind why school is creating pain. So 
even though it's, like I said, easier said than done, the more that you can encourage your kids to and teens to go to school or do these activities that they're afraid of will trigger pain, the more they can train their bodies to realize these activities are safe. And eventually over time, their bodies won't create pain anymore. Yeah, I love that. And doing it in a, in a safe and supportive environment where you work with school nurses to kind of allow them to take some breaks from class if they need to or other things, especially as you're working to getting them back full time can be really helpful. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of families about about this. And I think when I will recommend therapy or other things to assist with this, they may initially get defensive or get frustrated, like, my kid's not crazy or this pain isn't all in their head. How do you approach that? Yeah, that can be a really challenging discussion for families. Believe it or not, our thoughts and emotions have a huge impact on our nervous system and our symptoms. The more we think about pain and the more we feel unsafe, the more our body will actually produce pain. Therapists that are experienced with cognitive behavioral therapy or as we as pediatricians call CBT, they can actually train kids to react to their symptoms with a sense of safety. Over time, this training actually reduces and can even cure chronic pain. Therapists can also train kids and teens in strategies like meditation, biofeedback, journaling. At the end of the day, I always just say that living with chronic pain is just really challenging and at the end of the day, therapy can at least help them cope with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anything that's influencing your ability to be a normal kid deserves some time spent debriefing on that. And like you mentioned, you know, not all therapists are trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. And so as you're searching for this, it's just something important that you want to look for. Um and take the time in that front end to find someone who is really able to do this and maybe even has some experience dealing with this. I like how you said meditating because, of course, like I am trying to meditate these days. <laughs> and I'm like, I did. I downloaded this app where I'm doing it for like, you know, five minutes a day. And every time I sit down to do it, I'm like, my mind is like racing over here and racing over here. So it's really <laughs> hard to imagine a child being able to do this. But it sounds like it's useful. Yes, absolutely. I don't know how I've become the mindfulness and meditation guru in our residency <laughs> program. I'm not actually a certified meditation coach. I just probably have the most experience meditating. But I feel like everyone has this misconception that when you're meditating, you're supposed to achieve this perfect state where you're totally calm and you have no thoughts in your head. Your mind is just perfectly blank. And this is not at all true. The whole point is just to constantly retrain our brain to be able to get out of that thought cycle and just come back and center ourselves on our breath. There are actually a lot of YouTube videos that I really like that teach both adults and kids <laughs> how to meditate. And my favorite one for kids involves a cartoon of a flower that tells you to take a big breath in and smell the flower and then take a big breath out as you blow a birthday candle. <laughs> and it just like keeps that. looping over a few minutes. And deep breathing alone has dramatic effects on calming our nervous system, even if our thoughts are still running around. <laughs> Absolutely. And we can provide the link for those YouTube videos on the website. 
You also talked about biofeedback, and I think I have heard about that in the treatment of chronic migraines before. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Absolutely. So I think biofeedback is not just specific to chronic migraines. I believe it applies to any type of chronic pain. Yeah. It's actually a special kind of meditation training, again, that I would check and make sure your therapist has been trained in that. What they do is they will put almost like little pulse oximeter measurement uh, things on your finger or um, electrodes on your forehead to measure your pulse, your breathing rate, and even your muscle tension in certain areas. They can then train you in practicing specific types of deep breathing and meditation and see which ones actually have an effect on slowing down your pulse rate and decreasing your muscle tension because these are all physical proof that you're calming your own body successfully. Yeah. And it gives you like that that hard data that you're like, oh, wow, I am doing this. This Mm -hmm. is working. I know for someone who like me, who's a little type A and likes to see the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) What about other complementary techniques like massage or Reiki or acupuncture? How did those fit in? Yeah, so there's actually not as much research, surprisingly, that explains how massage, Reiki, acupuncture, other complementary techniques help with pain. But I still think they're definitely worth trying. They've worked for me (laughs) um, and everyone is different. And at the very least, even if it doesn't totally work for you. At least our kids and teens tried it and learned that, okay, I can take care of myself better in this way. Yeah, totally. And, you know, not harmful, right? Like Exactly. If it's not harmful and it may be helpful, sometimes it's it's worth a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that we spent the bulk of our discussion talking about these, like, almost like cognitive training techniques to treat chronic pain and downregulate that sympathetic overdrive because that is really like the hallmark or like I you know it's just so low risk and it it will benefit you in so many areas of your life outside of pain too um but I wonder if there's ever a role for pain medication or other prescription medications in managing pain as well I definitely think that there is <laughs> It really, again, depends on what kind of chronic pain your child has. There are specific medications that are used to both treat and prevent chronic headaches. And there's different medications that some of our pediatric gastroenterologists at UC Davis recommend for our kiddos with chronic abdominal pain. I highly recommend that everyone talk to your doctor, see if there's something that might work for you. Um, The important thing is that medication alone cannot cure chronic pain, unfortunately, that it takes a lot of work in learning how to retrain our nervous system as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a a take-home point from this episode. So as someone who's lived with pain for a really long time and gone on to achieve so many amazing things, finishing residency and really like achieving your your dreams and aspirations, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if you have any final words of advice to our listeners who may be dealing with chronic pain. Definitely. I think the biggest piece of advice that I probably have is that for all of us, joy and play are usually the first things that we let go of when we're dealing with chronic pain. Our body just naturally shifts into fight or flight and survival mode, and we just try to do everything to get through each day. 
And that in itself has a huge effect on our nervous system. I think it's really important that we all try to schedule time for joy and play in our lives every single day because that will actually help our body feel happier, more relaxed, and life will just be so much more enjoyable too. One of the biggest quotes that has been helpful to me through this recovery journey is that recovery is not a straight line. It takes time and it takes work. And the more that we work to rewire our brain to believe that we are safe, the more that we can train our brain not to produce pain. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Dr. Multani, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your own personal story about this topic. Um, I know it's challenging for so many families and something that I hope that that I can learn more about as I continue on as a general pediatrician. We have a lot of resources that Dr. Multani has shared that have helped her that we will include on our blog so that you can access them. Um, But let's summarize today's topic on chronic pain. Chronic pain is defined as having pain in a specific part of the body for three months or more, and it can affect up to one in four kids. Yeah, so that's pretty significant at some point in their life. Um, Some chronic pain is thought to be heightened or even triggered by an activation of our sympathetic nervous system or our kind of fight or flight response. And this can be heightened and influenced by people that have had childhood trauma or large life stressors. Exactly. And because of the intricate tie between the brain, the fight or flight system, and pain, there are many great treatment options that can help train our brain not to create pain. (laughs) The rhyming. (laughs) Yes. And these include things like cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation, biofeedback, and other complementary techniques, as well as sometimes medications targeted for the specific underlying cause. And don't forget a daily dose of joy and play. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 